Welcome to the Sailor Noob Podcast, where a super fan and a noob talk about the original Sailor Moon episode by episode. I'm your host, Mikan Hana, joined by my co-host. I'm the co-host, Caliban, and love is the one thing we're capable of perceiving that transcends time and space. Ooh, that was lovely. All right, all right, all right. (laughs) All right, all right, all right to you. (laughs) And we're a couple of magical people ready to moon crystal power make up this episode. Sailor Noob is brought to you by a coworker who openly stabs you in the back or leaves you to die in a flaming, self-destructing UFO. Esmeralda is eating whatever's in the fridge, no matter whose name oh, is on it. she doesn't you give know two Fs whose name is every on every item, Rubeus writes his name on salt packets. Do you know oh, what I mean? Like, it's on for everything. Sure. But he writes his name matter. on toothpicks. doesn't matter to her. No. This is in space. Yeah. I, I, I watched, not for this reason... But I, I rewatched Interstellar the other day when I was doing something else. Okay. And I I'd mean, only ever seen it the one time. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Is that is that right? <laughs> yes, that's right. Because uh, you're now you're making me Unexpected think. Unexpected leprechaun. Like uh, I guess maybe I don't know if I've seen it a second time. Uh, now. You I'm probably wondering. haven't. I'm up. I'm up one. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's not that good. <laughs> it just. It's not that good. Are you? Are you? We all got. You. We were all under the spell. Mm. And I, I'll give you this. It. It is. Uh, it's an example of movie making. A new level of movie making. Sure. But like a lot of Nolan's films. Mm-hmm. He should have never. He, we should have never. He should have never uh, read that article that accused his films of not having emotion or heart because he he super overcorrected in the opposite direction. And there are things in this hard sci-fi. This could all be possible in a few years, uh, you know, with a few exceptions. Uh, movie. Uh, there are things that make no sense. Yeah. Like if when you're doing something that's literally about telling stories in a medium that flashes at before your eyes at 24 frames a second yeah or backwards like memento or backwards and forwards like tenant you know that the plot will make sense because everything has to be accounted for but in interstellar it's supposed to be about science and there are whole things they just go and something happened oh we got got this give me that data what data what are you talking about you're going to give her the entire (laughs) formula for Gravity and by formula for gravity, we have a formula for gravity. Yeah, you know, a guy had hit head with an apple. Right. Uh, but does he? Do they mean like a, a, quant- a unified field theory that unites, you know, all the forces that will allow them to then get off the planet? You know, lift this office block into the sky. They build a space station on the ground, and it yeah. becomes the. It doesn't make any, none of that makes any sense. I don't know if they so know goes, what they gonna, mean. I'm going to give her the data. I'm going to give it to her in this watch. Through like binary code. Yeah. One letter in binary code is like twelve digits. <laughs> She's gonna be. She'll be. She will be the old lady in the hospital bed before she gets done doing I it. I think be I like, got the fifth uh, yeah, letter. <laughs> I, I see you're all old now. Did you figure it out? She's like, no, I, I got about halfway through. My kids are doing it right now. So that does. But but it's some amazing effects. Um, some really great performances. Mm-hmm. Um. It's it's a it's a salad that is, it has a bunch of things in it uh, that you like, but it just doesn't it doesn't it's not come a together. Not a cohesive salad. No, you know it's a charcuterie yeah. board. 
Oof. Charcuterie board yeah, has I love charcuterie boards. meat, has cheeses, yeah. sometimes it has uh, olives, nuts, and things like that. All those things could be chopped up and then put into something and then served to you after it was baked. Mm. But you're just going to eat the pieces. Yep. And that's that's what it is. Yeah. All right. So it's it's a it's a cohesive it's supposed to be a cohesive movie, but you just really want to enjoy it piecemeal. You have so, to. Yeah. And Casey Affleck's like he's burning crops or he's got crops or something. You know who plays him as a child? Timothy Chalamet, one of his first Shut up. First roles. Yeah. Oh my God. The Chalamet. Yeah. So my review okay. uh this a couple years later, not so great. <laughs> but speaking of reviews, we got one. <gasps> we got one! Yay! Pew 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 pew. We actually got it a while ago and oh. I did, I forgot to look. because uh, it's on Podchaser. And Podchaser is I I don't know what Podchaser it does. I don't you, know what it's You know for. what it sounds like to me? Pod racing. Like Now Star this Wars. is pod chasing. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Oh, what I think it's like a wiki for podcasts. Because okay. you know how you've got like your podcast services or your sites or whatever. And what that is is like we have an RSS feed. Yeah. You know, that's just a an address that says stuff will show up in this mailbox. Then you can give that to iTunes. You can give that to whoever. And they can host that on their platforms and probably run ads over it that we don't get paid for. But that's another conversation. Yeah. Uh, and so on Podchaser, they don't actually like really host the shows. They just, you know, say, oh, here's a record of what happened on this show, our show notes. Um, you and I are both registered as hosts, so we appear on those things. Nice. If we were on somebody else's show, theoretically, and they were on Podchaser, we would appear on their shows as well. So some of the guest bits that I've done on other shows like are on my Podchaser file. Anyway, the point is you can find our information at Just Enough Trope. For the network on Podchaser, and Rachel B. left us a review on Podchaser. And the review follows. <clears throat> One of the best expert idiot dynamics I've found. <sighs> if anybody else calls you an idiot, I'll be really angry. <laughs> and the best Sailor Moon podcast as well. Mikan adds tons of cultural context that Western fans might have missed, especially if you watch the 90s dub. Caliban doesn't know Sailor Moon, but knows enough other anime and general media that it's never painful. Plus, a good helping of old guy references. I feel... I feel seen. <laughs> I, that, I feel that was, angry. I, uh, I think that was the intent. <laughs> every episode is a blast. Five stars. Awesome! Thank you, Rachel B. Yes. I really appreciate that. Appreciate that. And it's good to know that I got to check up on Podchaser, apparently. People are on there. <laughs> it's always good to know. People just shout out wherever you are. Yeah. Le leave us a message. A Shoot up a flare. Spotify, the, the Purple Pie Man, whatever, whatever it is. Purple Pie Man. Just tell us where it's you another, are. Another old man reference. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or perhaps old lady reference, but you know. <laughs> Working on the formula. Yeah. <laughs> well, we hope that we stray a little bit away from the formula every once in a while. But uh, today we are talking about episode number 74. Rubiesu o Taose, Uchu Kukan no Kesen in Japanese. Defeat Rubius, the battle in space, the English translation, and the English title, Rubius Strikes Out. Part two <laughs> of two. Ke what's Kessen? Um, uh, you would ask me that, and I do not know the Kessen an means answer. decisive battle. Oh, well, there you go. Oh, it's, it was a, that's why I know. It was a PlayStation 2 game. Oh, okay. I thought you were thinking because it was like the last name yes. of somebody so it's a, who we know. No, 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 no. <laughs> 
who's not Japanese. Yeah, it's a ba- they're battling in space. It's a guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Okay. All right. See? There we go. Learn something new. I Well, I learned something new this weekend that uh, star in Japanese is... Hoshi. Which there's a lot of uh, Hoshis, uh, boys, a lot of Hoshis in the preschool. <laughs> well, but... Uh, so everybody thinks they're a little kid's a star. Well, no, well... But do they know the Kansei dialect? That's what I want uh, Well, probably not as a little kid. But but what we were talking about is... So the word for, for Hoshi, for star by itself, is Hoshi. And the word for spring on itself, by itself, is Haru. But... Um, Shunsei is is a, is the name of the Shunsei. Yeah, and it means spring star. So it only means spring star. <laughs> I started that really high. <laughs> and yeah, uh, adorable name. So there okay. you go. <laughs> For a real tough, tough dude. Real, real tough little two year old. Yeah, who's got dimples? He's got a bandage. He's got that you know, a Nelly bandage on his face. He's he's like rubs his hand underneath terrible his nose. Too. Like, yeah. what are you <laughs> looking green at? Snot on yeah, his right. sleeves. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. Well, would you like to um, give us a synopsis of today's episode? I would love to. And we got to get right into it. It's part two. And we pick right up from last time. The UFO still looms over Tokyo. Rubeus didn't get the memo that Usagi is Sailor Moon, so he announces that Sailor Moon was wise not to show up. Mm-hmm. He says, I've got all the other Sailor soldiers, so what can you do to me? I'll tell you what, I'll come back in three hours at 3 a.m. You can show up then. It's up to you. Right. And the UFO ascends into space. In space, the in the UFO, Rubeus looks down at the Earth confidently. He's not even bothered by the shock of female laughter and the arrival of Esmeralda. She says, why do you look so smug? Sailor Moon and the rabbit got away. And Rubeus starts his own countdown death clock by saying, you're a woman. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> I wouldn't be satisfied if I killed those girls so easily. Go go play with some makeup or something like that. She now, doesn't even get mad at him. To be fair, uh-huh. he has been like the the char, the Boswell. Boswell? Bosley. But Bosley. Boswell is a different yeah, guy. Yeah, right. The Bosley to some kind of... You know, not so Charlie's Devils situation. Maybe not working as hard as they should be. This whole first wave, not not very industrious. Uh-huh. Uh, not really good at what they do. Uh-huh. Uh, and so he doesn't know what he's dealing with here, but he he's playing with fire. Yeah. That'll pay off later. <laughs> he does a thing with his hand, and the camera pulls back, and we see that the rainbow room is a rainbow abyss. Yeah. It's a huge area with all kinds of crystal columns in it, presumably the interior of the UFO. And we pan down to see the Sailor Scouts crucified on crosses. I know. What? I know. And it's like the, it looks like it's like the same like black crystal that like their earrings are made out of. <laughs> Mercury died for your sins. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I have a story oh. about, I have a story about crosses that I'll tell later and it's going to sound after all that anticipation, it's not going to pay off. Oh, but, oh okay. Uh, we'll get there. Oh, uh, right. Rubeus is using the girls as human shields. Yeah. Esmeralda says, okay, that's a nice plan. Good luck. And disappears. And Rubeus thinks, I'll show you, you stupid woman. Yeah, pretty much. Where's that ticking sound coming from? <laughs> Back at Mamoru's apartment, Mamoru's on the balcony with Chibi. And Chibi says, so you were tuxedo mask the whole time. Mm-hmm. And Mamoru's like, yep. And Chibi says, sadly, nothing surprises me anymore. Next, you're going to tell me Santa Claus isn't real or trickle-down economics. 
basically, she says that her compass for trusting anything is smashed because somebody like Usagi could be Sailor Moon, which, ouch. I I know. Out of the mouths of babes. Yeah. Two snaps. Yeah. A little too snappy, if you ask me. Chibi looks at her key and wonders why it didn't work. And Mamoru asks her, if it had worked, you would have taken the silver crystal back to the future, right? And Chibi's like, how did you know that? But Mamoru says, let's stop keeping secrets from each other. What were you going to do with the crystal? And Chibi's like, I don't know. And Mamoru's like, don't lie to me. <laughs> but she's like, I'm six. I don't know how toasters work. What am I supposed to say? <laughs> these, the, these bad guys just showed up. We cut to a news broadcast already in progress where the commentator is talking about the appearance of the UFO. Luna and Artemis are watching this report. So they've upgraded I, I from little, little the turning, turning the newspaper pages yep. and now they watch TV instead. Uh, maybe there's a remote. I don't know. And Usagi <laughs> is staring at her brooch looking despondent. She finally breaks down and says, I can't do this anymore. I'm 14. I like comic books. I know. You gotta be fighting aliens and killing monsters. This is insane. I know. Something to that effect. Uh-huh. She goes on to say that she almost wants to give Chibi and the crystal up so she can get her friends back. All this chaos is her fault, she says. And Luna's like, you can't mean that. But Usagi just says, I was fooling myself. I'm not grown up enough to be tough in this situation. I'm sorry. I'm so tired. And Artie's like... Okay, uh, we'll come up with a plan. You go take a nap. Usagi says she'll get some fresh air on the balcony. And out there, she thinks, I guess I have to go alone. And if I bring the crystal, the enemy might lower his guard. I can't expose Chibi to danger. She goes on to say, It's funny. Just a short time ago, I would have said, I'm sleepy or I'm scared. I can't do it. But she dries her tears and she takes off to confront Rubeus. Back in the living room, Luna and Artie are putting their sharp feline minds together to concoct a plan. Luna thinks that they could offer Rubeus a fake crystal, and they could sneak on board and rescue everyone. Artie says, what about Chibiusa? And Lu- Luna says, we could disguise ourselves as her, and thank God this show gave us two cats in a fuku. <laughs> it's the new I three kids it. in a trench coat. Yes. Yes! Absolutely oh, I love it! hilarious, perfectly undercuts. Oh, my God. The very emotional previous scene. <laughs> and they're like, I'm the rabbit! I'm the rabbit! I'm the rabbit! <laughs> it's like, Mecha, Mecha Shiva! Mecha Shiva! <laughs> they're basically making a Luna Mecha Shiva. Oh, my Mamura God. Mamoru runs in asking where Usagi is, and it becomes clear that she has left on her own. Luna says, she'll get killed! Mamoru's like, wait, where's Chibiusa? Chibiusa has apparently snuck off herself to follow Usagi, and Mamoru says, they think alike. It's like they were identical twins. We cut to Usagi running down the street, and she gives us a moon crystal power makeup on the go, transforming into Sailor Moon. She doesn't jump up into the air, though. (laughs) She thinks, I'm sorry, everyone. I have to do this alone. Looking up, she sees the UFO descend again over the city. Rubeus says, so good of you to come, Sailor Moon, and the rabbit. And Sailor Moon thinks, the rabbit? She turns around to see Chibi standing beside her. Yep. Chibi says, they were captured because of me. I'm coming too. Mm-hmm. And Usagi says, we're playing right into their hands. It's a good point, because just then a beam of light whisks Usagi and Chibi into the UFO. Mamo and the cats arrive just in time to see this, and they think, it's over. Yep. Buy a plane ticket and get out of here. <laughs> Usagi awakes to the sound of footsteps and sees Rubea standing over her. And Chibi and Luna P. She also sees her crucified friends. Rubeus says, <sighs> Thanks for bringing the rabbit to me. But Sailor Moon says, Aunt, you fell into my trap. She's not the rabbit. She's just my cousin, Chibi Usa. Oh, what an idiot. 
but Rameya says, yeah, I'm going to worry about that one later. I'm going to kill you first. I know. <laughs> Usagi tells Chibi to find a place to hide, and she stands to face Rubeus, saying, let's fight. Back on Earth, Mamoru and the cats watch the UFO again rise into space. In the UFO, Rubeus knocks Usagi on her ass and tells her that there's more pain where that came from because of how she inconvenienced him. <laughs> He's got nobody to passively aggressively torture now. Good point. It's been real boring up here. Yeah, he got rid of the Ayakashi sisters, and then he realized that he missed pushing somebody around. Yeah. And Esmeralda's not going to stick around long enough. He's just for waiting for Usagi to give him a thing of perfume so he can just break it. <laughs> well, that's not happening. <laughs> Sailor Moon wastes no time in immediately summoning a moon princess halation, which this time we actually see fires a stream of glitter and moon shapes. It's like a cereal yeah, commercial. Yeah, it's cool. Yes. But the Where beam... is the Sailor Moon cereal? Exactly, right? Yeah. Little... It, it existed. Come on, Glico. It, it existed to have at some existed time. at some point. Yeah. But then again, they don't really necessarily like a whole bunch of like marshmallowy cereals in Japan. They don't have a huge variety. So I don't know if it ever existed. They got to settle for moon shapes on the top of their um, rice balls or something right. like that. Right. Yeah. There was a Sailor Moon like uh, curry at one point. <laughs> What do you do? You want to eat that? Uh, I mean, the history that this show has with curry. I don't think Usagi made it. Okay, but... <laughs> that's their selling point. Right, right. It's made by Ray. You know, the box kind. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they really missed out on that. that yeah, they should have yeah. done that exactly. <laughs> uh, the, but, but then the fact that they didn't do that, I think, vindicates me. It proves oh, that. Good point. She's got the, she's bringing the bad curry because you don't, I mean, I don't think they'd have, in America, I think you have a sense of humor and turn that around because like you give candy to kids and it's like, monster eyeballs, oh, eat this monster's you nose or something like that. Yeah, no kidding. I don't think the Japanese are like, no, no, this, we assure you, this is good curry. Forget what Ray said. Forget what the show (laughs) said. You can't really pull that off. Anyway, the beam has no effect on Rubeus, but Rubeus, on the other hand, waves his hand and increases the gravity under Sailor Moon, pulling her down to the floor. He says that the ship can increase his power many times over, and he can reverse gravity, which he does, smashing Usagi into the ceiling. While she's up there, Usagi can see out of the the viewport, and she realizes that they're in orbit above Earth, so even if she prevails, they have no way to escape. No. While this is happening, Chibiusa runs over to the crucified sailors, but before she reaches them, she smacks into an invisible force field that surrounds them. Mm -hmm. And whether by pain, sadness, or frustration, the golden moon on her forehead explodes with energy. And Robeus says, so she is the rabbit after all. Stop wasting your energy. They're surrounded by a high-voltage shield. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know if you watch this show as closely as I do, but no one tells Chibiusa what to do, and she throws herself <laughs> against the field, once more getting shocked. Oh my god, I know. But this time she notices that a large crystal in the middle of the room seems to be supplying the energy to the field and to Rubeus. Rubeus says, time to get rid of you, and he smashes Sailor Moon into the ground with his gravity power. While Lusagi lies prostrate on the floor, the ground under her buckles under the incredible weight. Luna's not here, so no fat jokes. Oh, thank goodness. But to Rubeus's <laughs> shock and dismay, Sailor Moon pulls herself up, inch by inch, until she's standing once again, bowed but not unbroken. Unforgivable, she says. I can't forgive you. I cannot forgive you. Chibiusa's <laughs> trying so hard. I'm Sailor Moon, so I can't give in either. Rubeus says, okay, okay, I underestimated you, but playtime's over. 
and he blasted her with a beam of dark power. Likewise, Sailor Moon renews her halation beam, and the two beams clash between them. They're yes, doing it! I know. They're doing a Dragon Ball! I know. Chibi, in an attempt to help Sailor Moon, tries to uproot the dark power crystal. She says to herself, this is all happening because of me. It's a lot for a 14-year-old. It's a lot for a six-year-old, too. Uh, no kidding! And as she pulls at the crystal, we all get to see a six-year-old being electrocuted. She's just like, I know. Rebeus turns up the juice and blasts Sailor Moon against the wall, knocking her for a loop. Noticing Chibi, he flies over to her and says, you were fated to die anyway. Let's make that happen. But before he can blast her, we hear from off screen. Usagi renews her beam attack against Rebeus. Chibi continues to pull at the crystal. And to be electrocuted. But as she does, the crescent moon once again appears on her brow. And with one final tug, she pulls the crystal free from its housing. Yes. It bounces to the floor and shatters. The crystal nut, Chibi. Thank goodness. Rubeus is immediately overcome by Usagi's attack and falls to the ground. And as he does, so does the platform holding the Black Moon Clan's mirrors. And each one of them shatters in turn. And the platform itself crumbles. The sailors are immediately free, and they regroup with Chidi and Sailor Moon, but Rubeus just laughs with abandon, saying, You idiots! This ship will lose control and explode, taking us all with it! Jupiter says, But you'll be killed too! But Rubeus just laughs and crushes one of his fallen earrings under his heel, saying, I can't go back to the future, but dying with you won't be so bad. And the floor under him immediately explodes, <laughs> and the room is engulfed in fire. It looks bad. Yeah, we gotta speed this up. But Venus says... We can sail or teleport out of here. Remember when we did that back in like the 40s or so? <laughs> I think it was like episode 42 or something like that. They just did it not that long ago, too. They did sailor planet power, but they didn't oh, teleport. Oh, you're okay. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. Because we found where point D is. Similar. Okay, yeah. girls get together and say sailor teleport. They're like, okay, cat, come on. What are we really going to do? Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Oh, we can just do that? I know. Do I not have to be late to school anymore? <laughs> How does this work? <laughs> We don't, we don't use this enough. No, no. Ray thinks that Usagi won't have enough power left, but Usagi says, I can do it. Chibiusa, stick with us, and I'll get you something nice later. And Chibi says, pancakes! Uh-huh. And Usagi's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Sailor, teleport! Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> As the sailors disappear, Rubeus rolls out of the fire to be met by a laughing Esmeralda. He says, oh, boy, you're a lifesaver. Let's go back to the future right now. Chop, chop, come on, let's go! Yep. Esmeralda only says... The senshi, the rabbit, Sailor Moon, you lost them all, and you want to live with that failure? Our clan doesn't need a pitiful man like you. I think you should go down with the ship. You're out of here! <laughs> <laughs> and she disappears as we cut to a view from orbit and see the UFO explode in a burst of light. On Tokyo Street which is brightly illuminated by the explosion in the sky. Nice continuity. Oh my goodness. The Sailor Scouts appear and are overjoyed that they've survived. Mm-hmm. Chibi tells Usagi she wants those pancakes and they better be from scratch. Yeah. Ray says, oh no, Usagi's a terrible cook. And Chibi says, well, in that case, forget it. But Usagi says, no, I already promised. Everyone laughs. No one mourns Rubeus. I know. I also like too that now it's like a dare. It's like, you wanted the pancakes it, it's supposed to be a favor. I know. And I was like, I'm going to make terrible pancakes, and you're going to eat every one of them. I know, right? As <laughs> I promised you. And they're going to be from scratch. There might be eggshells in there, but you're going to eat them. Yeah, a little curry. <laughs> in the future, on the weird metal planet, Esmeralda appears before Prince Demando on his throne. She tells the prince that Rubeus was not up to the task, and now he's... 
Yeah. The prince says, hmm, I thought he could handle it, but oh well. Make sure you don't repeat his mistakes, Esmeralda. And she disappears. Before his throne, we once again see the image of Chibiusa's mother in captivity, and Demando raises a goblet of wine to it, saying, I will get everything I want. Everything. Mm-hmm. Like Veruca Salt. <laughs> he wants it now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, sing and dance to that effect. <laughs> yeah. Um, so thoughts, uh, hot, hot action hot, happening, hot, fiery, <laughs> exploding action happening in space. Juniors crucifixions. Oh my goodness. All kinds of stuff. Um, there's no, no tricks here. They whip this guy's ass. There's a lot of times where yeah, that's true. There, um, somebody steps in or you've got an infinity crystal that wish everybody away or maybe, <sighs> Maybe the tulpa of Memoru's power and love for Sailor Moon mm-hmm. steps in <laughs> with his turban to save the day at the end. Yeah, or right. Or maybe the aliens just go, oh, why, why are we fighting again? Like, they kicked this guy's ass. Yes. Like, done. Yes. I, I don't even know, like, were they, I guess they already thought he was dead because he was in an explosion. I think they thought he was so dead. I think so I think the reason that that happened is that removed the choice of, like, do we... Save him or not. Save him. Yes, I think so, too. Does he want to hang out with the Aikashi sisters? We don't even worry about that, because Sailor Moon just kicks the crap out of this guy. I mean, it takes her a while, but she does it. She does, to be fair, she does try to do Moon Princess Halation on him. And I, so I think she's, like, trying to cleanse him, but maybe part of that is, like, you have to want to be cleansed. Well, like, was, the Ayakashi sisters were, if didn't that's what, fight back. If he gets hit with the beam, if that's right. what it does, then, yeah... But right. I mean, um, I didn't get the. I don't know if it's only a, a restoring thing or if it. I don't it's think a, it is. I, I think it's an a offensive res- power because she's both. like shooting it like a Ghostbuster, right? Uh, proton pack. Um, but yeah, but he was both resisting redemption and also literally resisting by right. pushing back. So yeah, no, yeah. it's uh, it's all thematic. <laughs> I have a. I have actually. I have a question for you. Oh right. Um. So why do you think Rubius can't return to the future? Is it because he smashed one of his earrings? Or or does he not have a teleporting power like Esmeralda does? Like, does he have to go in the UFO? Yeah, I mean, the UFO seems barked at this point, right? It, it does. So that might be why he's hopeless and he, he can't go back. And this is now a suicide mission mm-hmm. um, or a kamikaze mission. Right. Um yeah, I wondered about the symbolism of him smashing the earring. I did too. And since we have only recently, very recently, been introduced to his inner life, uh, I don't know. I Yeah, I know, right? I mean, he's been real sweaty this whole time. There are times that he's literally like, there's sweat on him. And they're <laughs> like, now what, Rubeus? And he's like, shut up, shut up. I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm coming up with a plan right this now. Guy, I don't know why. Prince Demando, not a judge of talent, because I don't know why he thought this kid could ever do anything. <laughs> But this is all villain talk. Yeah, it is. Um, I forgot to I forgot to mention last week that there the UFO looks like um, Kal El's ship from Superman. It looks like it's from uh, Krypton. Okay, it's all crystals and stuff like it's, that. It's very crystals. Not that important. But here's yeah. a better comic thing. So the crucifixion. <laughs> yes. It's it's just, it's just weird. It's just weird, and I can't uh-huh. I can't wait for go um, on. I can't wait for Sabu or Dabu. But I have my own experience with inappropriate crucifixion. 
should this keep, could talk, go keep talking anywhere. <laughs> uh, one of the first like comic books that I ever uh, bought for myself, or at least read when I was old enough to like not be reading just like Donald Duck comic books. Sure. Although Donald Duck comic books, solid. Uh, was X Men One Eighty One, and in X Men One Eighty One, it's a long story, but it's a huge crossover with the Avengers and many other characters in sure. the Marvel Universe. An ancient wizard has come to New York and hates Spider-Man. And so he's cast a spell sure. to make, he's from Conan times. So he's cast a spell to okay. make all of New York Conan time. And they don't even As use Conan. Do. A lot of restraint. What? So like okay. guns, guns turn to swords. Captain America's, you know, male top turns into like a, you know, chain mail type shirt. Okay, sure. And so they're all, they're still good and bad and they're still fighting to stop this wizard, but they all, think forsooth they are bedeviled by these you know they're so all they talk like in that old too. Tiny days and they forgot who they are yeah. oh okay and Got it. and uh i as a uh 10 year old or however old i was 9 10 i didn't know any of this stuff because it's like this is a chris claremont story he's been there's right. 10 years of stories behind this <laughs> yeah right. so you open it up and the first page is a splash page and it's spider-man is crucified on a cross awesome <laughs> and all the other heroes who all look weird and different are standing around him. And basically, you know, as he does, Spider-Man, you know, made fun of this guy so much that the guy got so pissed off that not only did he transform New York into like the Ren Fair, but he nailed Spider-Man to a cross. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. So Spider-Man is dying on this cross. <laughs> That's like the first image. And we were a pretty religious family. Uh-huh. And I think my mom bought me the comic book because I had to get stitches. <laughs> I was going to the hospital a lot as a kid. Pretty, pretty, pretty active books. kid. Yeah. Yeah. But she must have walked by at some point and been like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> Were you familiar enough I with it was like X Men, with... not T Men? Oh my God. I don't even get the crosses that. Crosses would be a T. Oh. Although you could crucify somebody on an X, though. I too. mean, it re- they've done that in X Men often. And the plight of the Sailor Soldiers reminds me of a typical X Men situation. Okay, sure. Where I can see it. The bad, they're fighting a bad guy. The bad guy captures them all, right? Mm-hmm. And then, except like Wolverine gets away. And then he's like, now right. it's my turn, bub. And he goes back and he's got to break the X-Men out. And he goes to a room. All bad guys just have a room with chains. So the X-Men are all chained to the wall. They actually did this in the 2000 film. Did they really? Yeah. Wolverine remember. is, uh, they're all attacking the Statue of Liberty because Magneto's trying to put yeah, a thing up there. I remember that. And part. they all get captured inside the torch of the Statue of Liberty. Okay, yeah. And then that's the perfect time to have the we're not so different conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Magneto comes in and, and there's a great line where Storm's Storm, electrify him. And it's like, you're in a big copper dome. I thought you lived at a school. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, they're all helpless, but Wolverine's got to come in and like free them all. And so. So okay. I was getting those vibes with this. That sounds very. Although yeah. Chibiusa would be the jubilee, I guess, of the team. Okay, why do you? I say said that? it. Why do you say that? <laughs> okay, you don't know the implications of her being the jubilee. It's okay. I'm going to talk about Chibi in a little bit. Uh, okay. Uh, I want to talk about the. Uh, I, I assume we're not done, but I want to talk about a completion uh, or a next stage in an arc for the character of Usagi Tsukino. Yes. Who at the beginning of this series. You know, loses her boyfriend and then says that she resolves to become stronger to win him back. Yeah. And like many um, heroes at the beginning of their journey, she wants what she wants for the wrong reasons. Yes. I mean, it's okay as as 
14 year old she's a 14 year old yeah to want her boyfriend back Mm -hmm. but as the hero sailor moon she needs to get stronger to protect earth not to yeah impress boys Mm -hmm. and i think i complained the show did it again but i think i complained a little while ago about how are we tracking that at all it's like she's still reading comics and laughing about eating sweet potatoes or whatever right and we returned to that this week when she herself you know, doubts the strength that she has. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like, um, <laughs> I'm going to do one thing and then I'm going to do the second thing. And you'll go, why didn't you do the second thing first? But I'm going to say it's like okay. Neo in the Matrix. Okay. Where he's the one. Uh-huh. But part of his journey to being the one is not having the responsibility of believing he's the one because he's he's not confident, he's insecure, he's in a world that he doesn't understand. Right. And he doesn't think that he can be the one but when he just goes and does the job of the one he's oney yeah i understand all of that that makes perfect oney sense to me right yeah now i'm going to bring up one of my favorite fictional characters a simple desert carpenter named jesus christ oh my goodness here we go <laughs> buckle in everybody <laughs> jesus is 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 the son of god uh-huh. he saves everybody yeah but before he does that he's not only fully god he's fully man as well and he has the same doubts and the same fears and but he has to overcome them and there's a famous part of the gospel story where he is in the garden of gethsemane i don't know if it's like a state park or what but <laughs> and he all the he they're waiting cuz they're they're in jerusalem things are hot And any time the guards could come and get them. And so he tells his men, his men, his friends, his disciples, uh, keep watch. I'm going to pray about this situation. And they all go fall asleep. (laughs) Of course they do. Uh, Uh, But as he's praying, he's praying to his dad. He's praying uh to God. And he's saying like, he says essentially like, take this cup from me. I don't want to drink of this cup to commit to this. Mm -hmm. I don't think I can do this. Mm -hmm. This is crazy. I'm just a 33-year-old guy. <laughs> I don't know how a toaster works. <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> and he was and he's sweating blood. He's so stressed. It's pretty stressed. Yeah. Well, this is like the scene where Usagi is on the balcony and she is wow. saying to herself, I don't know if I can do this. And I wanted to be stronger and I don't have the strength. And she's not sweating blood, but she's crying like gold tears. They made them gold for some reason. I don't know why. Because they wanted them to be sparkly. Right. I don't know. They're, they're very sparkly. Yeah. She shakes her head and then sparkly tears fly everywhere. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's weird that in a episode that literally contains the most recognizable symbol of Christianity, crosses, you've got Usagi in her own personal hell of Gethsemane. Hmm. Trying to get the courage to do this. I mean, yeah, that's that's a good point that I would not have uh, thought of myself. So, well, um, Rachel B, edit your Pod Chaser review to put biblical references in there as well. <laughs> old man and biblical references. The old man of the Bible, <laughs> Methuselah. So anyway, I just thought that that was really great. I'm sure that we have miles to go on that arc. It's a really a series arc, not just a. Um, this chapter arc, but but I thought that was great. I thought it was great that we saw a payoff to that because like I said, she's unsure of herself, but she does it because it's the right thing to do and she misses her friends. And then she just, just beats the pace out of this guy. (laughs) It's pretty great to see. I know. And not to pull back uh, too far, but, uh, but Chibi's pretty tough too. 
She is, you know, and I think that this episode um, proves that because she's scared and we we know from, from last episode that she's scared and she's upset and she's mad. She's feeling all of these feelings, but she goes after Usagi because she feels so responsible and for a six-year-old to feel responsible. That's a lot of responsibility. That's a lot of responsibility and yeah, it is kind of her fault, but she's also six and- so for her to go after her and she's there and th- there's actually like this really great moment when they get uh, sucked up into uh, the UFO and he Rubius is like, you know, menacingly greeting them and she's kind of hiding between behind Luna P and she kind of like peeks out and like hides again. And it's just like this, right. this very, really subtle thing, but it's, it's great. But she, yeah, she really, you really see her try like running into that force field a freaking second time. Yeah. After she's been told what it is, yeah. and then well, you know, you know, kids. Well, I know they can be. They can be obstinate. Yeah, she's she's definitely like she's looking. Obstinate. She's looking right into his eyes as she just walks into the field again. You're I know, like, right? You know, we'll check this out. You told me to do something. Well, and then like trying, she's like, "Oh, the crystal. That's it. Okay, here we go." And then you know, this is all my fault. So, so therefore, I have to do something. I don't think as a six year old I would have had that presence of mind to be like. Um, this is all my fault that my sister is crying, so I have to fix it. You know, I would have yeah. just, you know, yeah. done whatever because I'm a six-year-old. But, yeah, she's pretty tough. Yeah. She's, uh, she's growing on me. Yeah. Um, a lot worse. Yeah. yeah so, save, so that, that's, that's good. I'll save my chibi thoughts for, for a future show. Oh, oh, Okay. Backtracking is back for an all-new season. Hi, I'm Caliban. And I'm Gooey Fame. And we'd like to introduce you to Backtracking, the podcast that explores the real-world inspirations behind your favorite episodes of Star Trek. From historical events to classical literature to blockbuster films, we go where no pod has gone before to seek out the origins of classic Trek tales. Did you know, Gooey, that the TNG episode Too Short a Season was an allegory for the Iran-Contra affair? Yeah, only sweatier. Did you know that the Enterprise episode Regeneration was an homage to the John Carpenter film The Thing? Archer and T'Pol freezing to death over a bottle of whiskey would have been a controversial ending. As a dog lover, Archer would not like The Thing, I'm guessing. Oh my god, movie night is cancelled. Join us every other Thursday for a journey back to the beginnings of the Trek universe. Backtracking is available wherever you get your podcasts. No, Porthos! For Kyoro Kyoro Miru, or Curiously Looking Around, where we talk about elements of Japanese culture within the episode, today we are going to be talking about capital punishment or the death penalty in Japan. Whoa. Yeah, it's it's a dark one. Um, I did want to give a trigger warning for this episode, for this part, um, um, as we will be talking about um, uh, the death penalty, murder, and physical abuse. So if you don't want to hear about any of that, then please just skip ahead. We've talked about crime on the show. A little bit. I mean, because it's their crime really rate is not very high yeah. in Japan. And, yeah. And also there's some, well, maybe we haven't talked about it on the show. Uh, somebody rob a bank on the show is being talking about crime. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a, or uh, have a cop, you know, turn into a monster Yoma or something like that. 
<laughs> um, but there's like a, a statistic that that's like um, their close rate on most crimes is super high. It's like their very like their high. murder close rate is like ninety percent. Mm-hmm. When you kill somebody in Japan, it's actually higher than that. But we'll. Oh, you do it because oh, am I getting into today's material? A little bit. You do it because you you know you're gonna get caught. It uh-huh. isn't like I'm gonna kill this person or like a crime of passion, and then like oh, the first forty eight. Well, what, what, what am I supposed to do again? Douse myself in bleach or you know, <laughs> um, like in Japan, you're like, I'll talk all at my trial. I'll tell them all about what this person did to me. Well, I think that might be just a a, a slight simplification i mean i think that there might be some of that going on but i think it's a little bit more complicated than that and we'll we'll get into it i cannot forgive you (laughs) i cannot forgive you just racking shotguns oh my god actually i don't have shotguns so uh, no just hit him with a gourd or something yeah gourd right (laughs) i don't know um uh, so in this episode, Esmerad basically sentences Rubius to death for all of his failures by leaving him to die on his UFO that was going to self-destruct. So that is why we are talk- taking a look at capital punishment or the death penalty in she, Japan. It's kind of a Batman Begins thing. I'm trying to imagine Esmerad with a Chris Chris Bale Batman voice. But, oh. you know, <laughs> I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness yeah with the evil laugh right exactly um that man I, should laugh more i'm kind of terrified how, how scared of, are you of, of an that. emo kid now what if that emo kid had mad mma skills very yeah more scared <laughs> yeah, way more scared still but he can't because you know the jokers is an opponent and plus also right. if he laughs then he you just make it clear that he's ripped off completely from the shadow. It's just the shadow without guns. That's Batman. I love Batman, but oh, yeah, he's the shadow. Point. Sorry, continue. <laughs> Batman is many things. One of them is the shadow. <laughs> um, so capital punishment or the death penalty is legal in Japan. In fact, there are only two first world countries that still practice capital punishment, the U.S. and Japan. Woohoo! Yay, us! We're number sharing one. Yeah. Woohoo! Actually, we probably kill way more people than Japan does. Um, We're number one. <laughs> yeah, well, statistically, probably yes. Um, today, uh, it is usually only a sentence given to those convicted of murder. To be more specific, it is typically reserved for cases of multiple murders, though some single murderers have been executed in extraordinary cases like torture murder or kidnap for ransom. Executions in Japan are carried out via hanging in an execution chamber at the detention center. Uh, Japan has a varied history with capital punishment. It has been around since around the 4th century. Harsher and more violent forms of execution were popular for a while, and at times, sometimes for long stretches of hundreds of years, um, the death penalty um, was not carried out at all. And sometimes a uh, penalty was given as punishment to a, a variety of different crimes. Um, there, so there's a <laughs> Did lot they spin to... spin a wheel or something like that? No, um, but it just, like, it was for, for lots of different things, for not just for, for murder um, and... Um, Talking it, at the movies. Well, I don't know. Like, sometimes they were, like, they went through periods when they were, like, and you get a death penalty, and you get a death penalty, and it was, like, a little bit, like, you 
are the brother of somebody who murdered someone, so you get the death penalty. It's what? like, oh my god, no! So, I mean, that's oversimplification, but um, I basically there was a lot to cover, so if you're interested in the history, go take check that out. Um, but I thought that there was maybe more pertinent things to, to talk about. So, um, in Japan, the courts, uh, follow, uh, guidelines laid down in the trial of, uh, uh, Norio Nagayama, who was a 19 year old who committed four separate robbery murders in 1968 and was hanged in 1997. The Whoa. To- the, that this is one of the things that we'll talk about. So like okay. you um so you 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 commit a crime, you you get caught um and uh you you go to trial, you you're convicted. Sometimes um you, there's it's like um well okay, we're going to um appeal this. And um, it goes back and forth and you're 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 in jail this entire time and things get pushed back and pushed forward. And there's a lot of that. So a lot of the times if you're um, you're convicted of capital punishment, um, you spend many can spend many years in jail uh, before uh, your execution. So uh, this particular case, uh, the Tokyo High Court originally gave him, uh, Nagayama, a life term, but in 1983, so life in prison, the Supreme Court of Japan held it was an error and quashed the sentence before sending Nagayama back on death row. Um, As a side note, in prison, Nagayama uh, wrote many novels and became a public figure. His first published work was Tears of Ignorance, uh, Muchi no Namida, in 1971, which became a bestseller, and he actually gave the royalties to the survivors of his victims. Um, wait, and, wait a minute, I thought he didn't do it. Well, no, he, 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 he did it. Oh, so um, they just canceled his death penalty? Um, yeah, they, they're like, oh no, we're going to give him life in prison instead. Okay. Uh, and then, cause he, I think maybe because he was 19 when he committed the crimes, maybe that was one of the reasons. Uh, but in, in 1983, he was awarded a prize for the novel Wooden Bridge. Um, so, and like the, the writing community in Japan had conflicted feelings about him because it's like, what, this guy is. A murderer like <laughs> we want to be praising his work and yeah. so yeah uh the the court ruled that the penalty of capital punishment shall be decided in consideration of the degree of crim- criminal liability and balance of justice based on a nine points uh set of criteria uh though technically not a precedent this guideline has been followed by all subsequent capital cases in japan um, and this all came from Nagayama's, uh, or excuse me, yeah, Nagayama's um, uh, trial. So, so the nine criteria are as follows: one, degree of viciousness; two, motive; three, how the crime was committed, especially the manner in which the victim was killed; four, outcome of the crime, especially the number of victims; five, sentiments of the bereaved family members. Six, impact of the crime on Japanese society. Um, uh, seven, defendant's age. In, in Japan, the age of majority is 20. 
uh, eight defendants' previous criminal record and nine degree of remorse shown by the defendants. The, um, the number of victims killed seems to be the most important criteria for uh, imposition of the death penalty in Japan. Uh, a death sentence handed down for a single murder, uh, previous convictions included, is considered extraordinary. So, like, if you want to kill some people, can you spread it out? And so, well, <laughs> I'll just kill this person no, now. In five because... years, I'll kill another person. They'll be like, well, he didn't kill them both at once. Like, is it all at once or... I, I guess I should be more clear when I say a single murder. When I say single murder, I mean a single murder. <laughs> like, not like I'll I'll do one every five years. Yeah. Uh, because that's considered more than one murder. That's like a, murder. a Park Chan-wook movie. Right. Um, let me point out something that I, I feel like is obvious, but we should probably just double check. Mm, yeah. Isn't this what everybody considers? All courts everywhere consider these things. Only in America... Yeah. It's a judge, you know, or it's the DA's office, you know, is asking for a certain penalty and the judge can say, no, no, that's too much. And the criteria, somebody should write down the number of criteria, but I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about that. It's just so Japanese for them to go, here are the nine gates that you must pass through before we go, yeah, let's let's have this guy do the, the dead man's drop. Uh, yeah, I it's mean. It's so quantified. I, I mean, I think that's a good point, and I think that, that that you're you're right. I think they have to quantify everything. Yeah, right? and there, I mean, there's a ton of law books in, that are written in English, and there's a ton of precedents. But I feel like we wouldn't say for sure if he kill if you kill one or more people, shame on you. <laughs> you know, it's, right, right, right. You right. want to leave things open to yes. to what you, you feel. I, 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 I agree with you. That's why you can have a movie like A Time to Kill, where Samuel Jackson kills those two guys that attacked his daughter and didn't even kill her. <laughs> and then he murders them and then he gets off, you know, scot-free. Right. Like, I'm not saying that those guys didn't deserve it, but I'm just saying it's not justice. Right, right. No, I... It's also the second Matthew McConaughey movie I've brought up. I'm going to go for the hat trick later <laughs> All right, on. all right, yeah. all right. Yeah. <laughs> We're having a McConaughey. <laughs> um, in, in 2012, a research institute affiliated with the Supreme Court issued a report on the application of the death penalty from 1890 to 2009. The study found that while prosecutors very rarely demand capital punishment in cases of single murder, it was handed down in 32% of those cases. On the other hand, prosecutors seek the death penalty almost systematically in cases of multiple homicide, and it is handed down in 59% of cases of double murder and 79% of cases where three or more victims have been killed. Uh, the study also found that the death penalty was handed down in all cases of convicted murderers who killed again after being released on parole from life prison terms and in all robbery murder cases with three or more people slain. So, yeah, like here they say, you know, use a gun, go to jail. But there it's like, kill two or more, <laughs> you're going to get the death penalty. Yeah, right. It it sounds like a, if you want the death penalty, kill two or more. Would you like to, what's behind the next door? Would you like to go for oh, a third? no. Let's make awful. a death. That's so bad. Um, not funny. Anyways, um, 
Since May 2009, district courts try capital cases using the lay judge system, where three professional judges sit with six randomly chosen citizens. Five votes of the nine-member court, including at least one professional judge, are required for issuing a conviction and any, and any punishment, including the death penalty. Uh, Japan has a civil law legal system, therefore appeal courts retry both facts and law. High courts retry cases with only three judges and no lay judges and can either reduce a death sentence to life or raise a life sentence to death. Ultimately, a five-member petty bench of the Supreme Court has the final say on the penalty, allowing it to re remand the case or change the punishment if the one handed down by the high court is, quote, seriously unfair. A lot of arenas of review here. Yeah. Which, in some ways, I like. I like the idea of, first of all, you know, our justice system in America is not great. No. But... The one thing that you can know is you have a right to a trial, that trial right. happens, and assuming that it goes off, you know, and we don't get a mistrial, then you get a verdict and you, yeah, you can appeal it, you can You can appeal it, And you yeah. go free or you do your time. Yeah. But, like, the, being able to, being cleared of something or having a lower sentence and then having, like, six yokels go, oh, I should be more than that. I know. I know. That's bad for one person, mm -hmm. but I don't know. Maybe I see two sides of it. I see the side that is like that. What is what is the court if not the voice or or the hand that holds the gavel for society, right? Mm -hmm. And if six random people go, that's all he got. That he said that was horrible. That thing that he did, right? Maybe that's a good thing. At the same time, would you want to be judged by six random people? Not really. And not, and not, I'm not talking about, we're all judged by six ran, or 12 random people if we commit a crime. Right. But have six random people come in and like focus group, like your conviction? <laughs> Do you I, want that to happen? Yeah, I don't how know how. How many times is this going to be tried? Yeah. Yeah. That's what a double jeopardy law is. Well, and something else that should be mentioned too is that the, the lay judge system has only been in, um, it was in place for a while, fell out of favor during World War II, and then went back into place. <laughs> like to hear that story. Or, or like uh, before World War II, something like that. And then came back into place in 2009 because um, basically there was a review of like the judi judicial system in Japan. And people were like, um, this doesn't seem fair or like things are being done with due process. So what if we do this system again? With with the six yeah, randomly selected. Overrated. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. Nobody's even died yet. When do we get to the executions? Okay. Well, <laughs> um, we're getting there. Right. Um, those on death row are not classified as prisoners by the Japanese justice system, and the facilities in which they are incarcerated are not referred to as prisons. Inmates lack many of the rights afforded to other Japanese prisoners. Um, the nature of the regime they live under is largely up to the director of the detention center. So they're called detention centers where, where the uh, inmates for, for death row live. Uh, but it is usually significantly harsher than normal Japanese prisons. Inmates are held in solitary confinement and are often and are and are forbidden to communicate with their fellows. They are permitted two periods of exercise a week. 
um, are not allowed televisions and may only possess three books. Um, prisoners are not allowed to exercise within their own cells. Prison visits, both by family members and legal representatives, are infrequent and closely supervised. Mm. Uh, Amnesty Inter International argues that the Japanese justice system tends to place great resilience on confessions, even ones obtained under duress. According to a 2005 Amnesty International report, most have been sentenced to death on the basis of confessions extracted under duress. The potential for miscarriages of justice is built into the system. Confessions are typically extracted while suspects are held in uh, daiokangoku, or substitute prisons, for interrogations <laughs> before they are charged. It's a substitute prison. Yeah, I know. But we're not going to watch movies all day. No. Um... In practice, these are police cells where detainees can be held for up to 23 days after arrest with no state-funded legal representation. Wow. This is the, like, what's the Japanese word for phone book? Yeah. It, yeah. I know. Uh, they, they are typically interrogated for 12 hours a day. No lawyers can be present. No recordings are made. And they are put under constant pressure to confess. Once convicted, it is very difficult to obtain a retrial, and prisoners can remain under sentence of death for many years. Right, because if you appeal, they go, you said you did it. I have your confession right here. Exactly. So this is the, this is the really upsetting I would say, part. I would say that this sounds like a bouquet of human rights abuses, mm -hmm. but, you know... Our prison system. Oh, horrible. <laughs> we have no leg to stand on. I, I know that. Now, here's a question. I know you don't know the answer, but maybe for the future, if we want yeah. to get into the social justice thing, do they have for-profit prisons in Japan? I do not know the answer yeah. for that. Because that, that's, that's kind of our big problem here, right? Like, yes. That's kind of the source of all the evil in our... In our justice system. Which, in our, uh... you know, they kind of made fun of a little bit in Veep. <laughs> yeah. So... The, the, the funniest character on Veep is like a horrible guy that runs for-profit prisons. Constantly eating, <laughs> but a horrible person. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, confessions are a core part of Japanese criminal justice. They are thought of as, quote, the king of evidence and, quote, decisive element of proof sought by every prosecutor and practically required by most judges, David T. Johnson, an expert on the death penalty in Asia, wrote in a paper published in 2015. In Japan, 99.7% of all the cases brought to court result in a conviction, and this is at least partially because prosecutors only take cases they think will result in a guilty verdict. Huh. So, so the other side of that is there are a lot of people who presumably do stuff and maybe not a lot of people but there are people that do stuff there are people who do stuff and there's no case and that that's it like they walk uh i mean yeah i guess if they don't think that it's if if there's no case then i guess that that is the other side of that yeah what's the pro yeah boy this is this is, this is a real deep thing we should we should skip to cutting heads off cuz <laughs> They get hanged, they don't get beheaded. There's a lot of things well they did back in the old days. Yeah, I know. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of factors when you think about, you know, quote unquote career criminals. 
That is people who are, you know, already oppressed by the system Mm -hmm. and, you know, turn to crime for whatever reason. Yeah. You know, so you're picking somebody up because they've got an air freshener in their window and you're hoping that they're going to have some kind of bench warrant that's going to get them in prison. And that's because we have an underclass, you know, of minorities. Japan's a little different because it's a little more um, monoculture in terms of who lives there. So. We're hitting that point where it's like, well, we're not grad students, so I don't know where else we can go. <laughs> I know. I don't know. What, I don't know what I can say about this. Uh, there's not a whole lot to say. It's it's pretty it's pretty depressing. Uh, but uh, in in 2016, uh, mandatory video recordings of police interrogations were introduced in Japan. However, critics say that recordings only pertain to three percent of Japan's criminal cases, which include murder charges. Um, efforts to make investigators record interrogations have been confronted with opposition from the police and prosecutors who have attempted to restrict the scale and scope of those recordings. Okay. Which is not good because to me that's showing that, you know, as the police and the prosecutors, you're somewhat guilty in either A, abusing these criminals or supposed criminals, people who are brought in for interrogation. Yeah. Um, and also guilty or somewhat guilty of berating them until they confess for something that they may or may not have done. Yeah. So it's, it's not great. Um, Amnesty International also reports allegations of abuse of suspects during these interrogations. Uh, There are reports of physical abuse, sleep deprivation, and denial of food and food, water, and use of the bathroom. One of the biggest criticisms is that inmates usually remain for years and sometimes decades on death row without ever actually being informed of the date of their execution prior to the date itself. So inmates suffer due to the uncertainty of not knowing whether or not any given day will be their last. Yeah, and the one guy goes 30 years or, or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is actually fairly common. Um, I, I've seen a lot of cases like that. Um, and according to Amnesty International, the intense and prolonged stress means many inmates on death row have poor mental health suffering from the so-called death row phenomenon. Um, and, uh, I, I think that that happens a lot. And then at some point you have to like, uh, you know, is, is it worth executing this person who, um, is, is, I don't, I don't know. It's hard to say, but it's like, you're, you're, you're not treating these, these people well. And, um, it, this is just a hard thing for me to talk about because we're 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 talking about something where where people are being there there are humans they may have done horrible things and committed horrible unthinkable acts yeah. but we're we're treating them inhumanely and is that is that justified I don't feel like it is but anyways um the condemned are are given a choice of their last meal uh, the prisoners family and legal representatives and also the general public are informed only after the execution ta- has taken place that they have been executed. Since 2007, the authorities have been releasing names, natures of crimes, and ages of executed prisoners. 
The Japanese public has generally supported the death penalty. The government regularly monitors support for the death penalty. The last survey, and and actually I think there was one in 2019 now, but there was one in 2015 showing uh, 80.3% of the public believed the death penalty to be, quote, permissible, uh, while 9.7% said that it should be abolished. Hmm. Um, At a 2003 trial, a Tokyo prosecutor presented a court a petition with 76,000 signatures as part of his case for a death sentence. Okay, wow. Yeah. I thought it was going to be, that's like the petition to to release the Snyder Cut. I thought it was going to be like, no, no, we must not kill this man. People are like, no, where no, do I sign? No, yes. Screw this guy. Yeah. And um, when, when people often are, are asked, like, why does Japan still have the death penalty? One of the, the biggest things that keeps coming up is that it seems like that's what the public wants. And I don't huh. know that that's necessarily a good enough reason to continue doing it. But they feel like they're going to run into opposition to um to not have it and it was there there's been a lot of debate over the years about should we get rid of it and um they they were there was another period where they hadn't executed anybody for like a decade plus um in like maybe the 80s or so and um uh then uh the uh sarin gas attacks happened in the 90s yeah and um what is the name of the 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 um the cult? Um, I can't remember the name of the cult that was behind that. I don't know. Either. But 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 it killed like like fifteen or so people and and injured many others and people were very upset about it. So people were like, no, we want these people to be killed. Yeah. And that kind of I think set this debate back. I don't even know how long. Huh. You know, well, so. at least there's a debate. At least there's a debate. Yeah. Um, and in 2020, thanks to the um, pandemic, um, no executions happened in Japan. Okay. So, so there's that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, Good. Yeah. Got to find your silver lining somewhere. Yeah, I guess so. If that lining is the lining of a mask you're wearing to not get COVID. Uh, I know. <laughs> Itadaki mas with Usagi. What did Usagi eat in this episode? So Sailor Moon promises Chibiusa that she will get her something nice uh, later for doing the Sailor Teleport with them. And, of course, Chibiusa, as we learned last episode... Um, loves pancakes yeah so she's got pancakes on the brain and so she's like then i want to have some pancakes please and um you know and of course she gets reminded that um you know Usagi's not gonna be very good at making them but she wants them from scratch and the whole back and forth and it's really cute by ray and and fantastic um there's like a really great fan art that somebody did recently that's like of like a basically a teen Chibiusa about to eat some pancakes and I just absolutely freaking huh. love it. I'll I'll try to post it on um on Facebook and Twitter or something. Actually, I think I posted it on our Twitter um recently, but I'll try to post it on <laughs> Facebook. But... Ray's like, forget that. Let's go to McDonald's Zoo. Yeah, they got the big breakfast. <laughs> Yeah, cakes. right? <laughs> I'll get you a McGriddle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I could totally see that. Yes. 
Um, and then uh, Prince Demando has a glass of red wine, which he mostly swirls and uses to look sinister. I don't. Yes. I don't think we we see him drink it at all. But yes. It, it's a prop, you know. Sober twelve years. I just like holding it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> He's my moon chip. <laughs> Villain Gage, we rate a baddie, one to five dark stars, five being the most wicked. So no droid in this episode, but I thought twofold, let's talk about the new Black Clan member that we see for the first time, Prince Demando, as well as talk about and rate Rubius. Yeah. Uh, so the meaning behind Prince Demando's name. It is a play on words for the Japanese pronunciation of the term demand. The Japanese pronunciation of the English term is demando. Um, however, it is also meant to elicit a diamond. I have also seen his name. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I have also seen his name written uh, demand. So just how demand is written in English. Uh, demande, which is basically a demand with an E, so a fancy demand, I don't know. Um, or uh, D-I-M-A-N-D-E. So there's not, you see it written like lots of different ways and people all mean the same thing. Um, but yeah, and uh, in the um, dub, he is uh, Prince Diamond. Sure. And um, I believe in the manga, he's Prince Diamond as well. So, in the English translation. So, I was told on good authority by a car commercial that the name Mitsubishi mm -hmm. means three diamonds. It does. Okay. So, what part of that is, what part of Mitsubishi is the diamond part? Because Bishi means like a boy, like a beautiful boy, doesn't it? Well, maybe it's just, like, combined, because, like... And Mitsu means, mi like, light. Well, but Mitsu can also mean... <laughs> so a light... Give me a light, beautiful boy. I thought Mitsu also meant three. Um, oh. Like, it, it's like a three of something. Okay. Um, so three beautiful boys. Because, <laughs> like, there are counting words in... <laughs> Japanese. <laughs> so it's like, I have three of these specific objects. So that is Mitsu. I don't oh, know. okay. I think, I, think, I think that's what it is. Okay. That is me kind of not totally 100% knowing what I'm talking about, but that's what I think it is. So maybe like I have three like shapes or something like that and you know or but it, it's specifically three three diamonds um i've heard that too so i think that that is true that it, and that's what their symbol is so or just like di diamondo yeah do right they have, do they have diamonds in japan of course they have diamonds in japan okay hold on though hold on if you don't you know they they are yeah, I mean it's car it's carbon rose. I don't know. I've never mined for diamonds. Like maybe they don't mine deep enough to get diamonds. They put diamonds on like yeah, they have them now, but I mean like in the old timey days when they were the, oh, the, when the oh, language oh, was coming oh. together. Are you saying are diamonds native to Japan? Is well, that what I mean you're obviously asking? okay, so now we're we flip sides because obviously they would be native to Japan because all they are is just carbon that is compressed by superman we all know this yeah right uh and so if but if they didn't have a lot of it wasn't really the dinosaurs but if they didn't have like a lot of the vegetation that you know volcanic islands that are relatively new 
wouldn't have had a lot of life on them a long time ago. Maybe there's not a ton of diamonds in Japan. I mean, I suppose. How do we go through over 70 episodes and a show about jewelry and makeup and we haven't talked about diamonds yet? That's that's amazing. I I don't know. That goes on the list. Diamonds, maybe maybe diamonds and gemstones. Yeah. So sure. anyway, I just like that the fact that now that I know that their word for diamond is literally a loan word, uh, well, naming him Demando, fine. I mean, at least in this case, yeah. 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 That, that, okay. Um, I'm, I'm down. Okay. All right. Um, so what's his... the French word for diamond? Oh yeah, good good question. Yeah, I think that um, it's probably also it's like diamond, isn't it? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe um, Nako didn't like that as much. I don't know. I think I think she wanted. She's like, I got a good pun here. Yeah, right. You don't let a good pun. Right, pass right, 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 right. I think that's it exactly. Yeah. And like, he's also he's in charge. He's demanding. Yeah. You know, um, so he is dressed in, in all white suit with a a blue filigree design on the front and a diamond clasp at the neckline. Um, and you can't really tell in this particular episode, uh, but uh, he has diamonds that connect uh, to his cape, his, connect his cape to his suit, um, one on each shoulder and one on in, in the middle of his back. And his cape on the outside matches the blue on his suit, and it is lined with a purple fabric. Um, he has boots that are mostly white, but are black around the soles and toes with a single white stripe and then a single black stripe. Yeah, and it looks like they're lace-up. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's probably just a, like a spat design or something like that. Yeah, but, they, yeah. they look When you first see them, it's like, ah, oh, nice kicks. Right. <laughs> I know. Um, and I wonder how much he, he gets up and walks around because it seems like he really likes that throne. Um, <laughs> but so impressions i guess from you about prince demando i won't i know we don't see him very much in this episode but what are, what are your thoughts um i um i have found it really hard to form an opinion on somebody who has only uh is named demando and says he's gonna get everything he wants <laughs> okay uh so we've got that yeah um, maybe we'll check back in later he seems then. like a cooler customer than some of the big bads we've had in the past mm-hmm. um i mean like Beryl had some style, but also you got, I I got the idea that Beryl was like just barely holding it together because she had to manage this entire cocktail party of idiots. And so she's a, as a boss, she's just like, get it done, you know, get out there. Pretty much. But this guy's like, "Hmm, okay, lost one of those. Uh, You're up next. Hope you come back alive. (laughs) Do better. He must have a, I don't know what he's prince of. Uh, the Black Moon Clan, apparently. At least. Uh, and, you know, what kind of power that 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 that, that suggests. Right. You know, we, he's, we've seen that he's got hundreds of U, uh, UFO ships. So <laughs> right. he seems like a guy who's confident in the power that he possesses already. As he swirls a glass of wine. Yes. And he's got a great <laughs> cellar. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, so um, moving on to Rubius. Oh, Rubius. Um, so, so something that that Cal that you you um, said previously really stuck with me that that Rubius is kind of on par with Jedite. Um, I, I I feel like that like he has lots of plans, but most of them blow up in his face sometimes, literally. Uh, 
maybe he is just bad at being evil, or maybe he is a horrible middle manager. I'm not sure which it is. But, um... See, that thing with, like, the smallest dog has the biggest bark or whatever? I think yeah. that's supposed to be inspiring, but it's it's really, like... A guy like Jade and a guy like the, uh, this guy, they, they don't... They have very little skill. <laughs> they have yes. Very, they have no plans. Yes. And and yet they're just so blustery and they're so very sure blustery. of themselves. Yeah. And they totally get, uh, yeah, knocked out. Yeah. Um, some, something about him is, is just not quite cutting it. Like... Plus, he is a prick to the Ayakashi sisters, especially <laughs> Koan, especially Koan. Um, I do love his fiery red hair and his ridiculous 90s style, though, so he gets props for that. Um, and he does terrorize the Senshi and Shibuyusa in one way or another for, like, 15 episodes. But if I'm using the same scale as I use while rating the Ayakashi sisters, then I'm going to give him three out of five Dark Stars. He, th- uh, three out of five. Wow. I, I, yeah, I, two. I, whoa. Two. Oh, okay. I can, I can rate Throw that villain in down. one star. Okay. Uh, two. Uh, he's just ineffective. <laughs> I feel like we haven't had enough time to get to know him, but we have. He just hasn't done anything. Yeah. Um, he cl- commands a position of power. He has a stable of, you know, employees who have potential, certainly. Yeah. Um, and I guess when you think about it, like, come this close to killing the rabbit a couple times. Yes. But have their own problems uh, that keep them from succeeding in their task. And no back- no backup plan. None. No. And he's got a big giant ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so his whole plan is, well, all my soldiers are dead. I'll just go grab them and I'll piss off. Five angry girls with star power. That's a good idea. Yeah. Um, boy, I'm talking myself out of this too. <laughs> but if, but but ultimately, like, I think that he gets a lot of uh, goodwill because of his company. Yeah, I think you know, that you're right about that. Like, he's got a it's a stylish bunch. Yes. He's the head of the entourage, but sometimes the entourage is more interesting than. Uh, the, 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 the person that they surround. Yeah. Um, and that's what we've got here. So, yeah, I guess I would have to begrudgingly and tentatively give him a two. Have we ever gone one on a villain? On a major villain? I don't think so. Yeah. You could. Mm, let's say, so far, mm-hmm. if I was going to go one on a major villain, it would be this one. Yeah. But... Uh, but I'm going to stick with the two, though. Okay. I think so. Maybe he should have used his parachute pants to jump out of the UFO at the end. Yeah. Maybe he should have you know, busted a move. <laughs> yeah. Please, Rubeus, don't hurt him. <gasps> oh, my God. Uh, something like that. I mean, yeah, he had a little bit of style, but... But that, not much. That's all he's got. <laughs> yeah, right. Yep. Exactly. So another two. That's what I like about these villains. I get older... They stay the same rating. Oh, God. I knew I could do it. All right. That's the tra- hat trick. Uh, the, the I almost said something else. I don't know what I almost said. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> For Sabu or Dabu, where we talk about the most interesting differences between the sub and the dub, I already talked about Demando's name change was Prince Diamond. Yeah. Uh, in the dub, as predicted, 
All scenes of the senshi hanging from crosses are cut, and they are not shown in full until they are liberated by Chibiusa. Crucify them! Yeah. So they just drop down out of the sky? Yep, pretty much. Where are we? <laughs> oh my god, they are being trapped over there! They're being held! I don't know how they did it, but... They, they need to have one thing where they're all in a cage or something like that. That or they like, could just reuse? Yeah, they just reuse it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just one shot of them in a darkened cage somewhere, yeah. and they just throw that in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. When they're, you know, trapped in a in a pentagram or, <laughs> or, yeah. or something like that, you know. Not appropriate. They're wiping for their US butt TV. with the Japanese flag. Oh my god. I guess it'd be the American flag in this case. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would Oh be. no, they're trapped in this mosque. And they're like, no, nope, they're just in a cage. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> they're in the cage again. Uh, in the dub, the scene where Sailor Moon hits Chibiusa on the head when she was trying to convince Rubius that she was just her cousin was cut. <laughs> it was kind of funny. It was like playful, but it, no, no, it was No, no, it was playful. She's like, you you thought this. Oh, it's like giving I her know. a noogie and Chibi's face is like. <laughs> I know, which is like, I cannot believe you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then also in the dub, um, Esmeralda hitting Rubius's hand with her fan before his death was cut. Oh, okay. His so. death, keep that. Yeah, his death, his fiery, explosive <laughs> keep a man death. Exploding Fine. to death. Yeah. No no hitting though. No fan hit. No fan hit. That's how we feel about that. Uh so now we are up to our rating. I really like the scene where, where Luna and Artemis float the idea of dressing up as Chibiusa. That was pure gold. Um, I also like the scene where Usagi tries to convince Rubius that Chibiusa is her cousin, like we were just talking about. Um, and, you know, this is another episode I kind of felt similarly to part one where I f- kind of feel like part of me feels conflicted. Like, I feel like there was more material than to put into one episode, but not quite enough to put into two. So I feel like both of part one and two, there, there's not a whole lot happening. Yeah. Um, but I think with your recap um and just the emotional weight of usagi and her you know rising to the challenge to uh doing this battle on her own um with conviction i I think that pushes this over the edge to me so i i am going to give this a four out of five roses um i was leaning towards giving it a three okay i'm gonna go four out of five roses as well and it's mainly because i was pleased by pretty much everything in this episode i thought it was all very strong um i spoke before about how i felt like the show was whether we knew it or not was was tracking some of the um bits of character development uh and and thematic elements that they had set up before um it it, its problem is is that it's part two of a pair of episodes mm-hmm. and the first one is not okay. all that great and it's yeah. all set up and also it's trapped in this whole first part of Sailor Moon R which again like the salad like the charcuterie board right it's it's less than the sum of its parts mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's got a bunch of great characters it's got some interesting ideas that are taken from popular movies uh but it's <laughs> it hasn't gelled for me yet and maybe that's coming in the future, but Maybe. but right now at this point, I have to say four, not five. Yeah, you know it 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 lacks the um, stakes of the confrontation with the Dark Kingdom. Yes, uh, and Beryl at the end, 
with Mega Barrel, and even the parts where she's got Endymion under her control and she's like licking his face and stuff like that. Oh just my like, god! You know the the, the the personal elements. Like, sure, Usagi's on a personal journey, but she doesn't know who this kook is. No. You know, she barely knew who the who the other girls were, the Ayakashi girls sisters, were. Yeah. You know, her investment in this is is low, and it's all part of this slow build where we're going to get to, you know, the secret of future Tokyo and everything like that. But it's leaving me slightly cold at this part. But this well executed, yeah, just you know, very pleased by it. Great win for Usagi. Uh, yeah, four out of five stars, but not five. <laughs> the council does not grant you a fifth star. <laughs> Not close, but no cigar. Close, but no fifth star. <laughs> All right, better. Yeah. Uh, my English title is Rubius's final act: Death for Revenge. Death for Revenge. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. I almost went with Revenge or Death, but and I went for Death for Revenge because I thought it sounded more Englishy. How, death for Revenge and Hell for Breakfast. Yes. My Deke title is Cross Purposes. Oh, my goodness. Um, okay, I mean, <laughs> I just don't even know what to say to that. I'm 100% satisfied. My only worry is that we'll have a dolphin episode soon. What? Well, then it would be Cross Purposes. Oh, no! No, you did not! Can we include old Who's man the old jokes? Man now. <laughs> Next episode, we were talking about episode number 75. Nazo no Shin Senshi, Sela Paluto Tojo in Japanese. The mysterious new guardian, Sailor Pluto, appears. The English translation and the English title, The Secret of the Luna Sphere. Yeah. So what do you think about that? Well, I think that we're going to meet a new sailor yeah. next time. And uh, also something that I I was thinking about talking about, but I didn't say anything. And now the show is just reading my, my thoughts. Mm. And mid-episode, it's answering my questions. But I was thinking about the fact that there's this floating cat that we don't talk about ever. We don't we don't say anything about this. Uh-huh. When, are, when are we going to get into this? Uh-huh. And it looks like it's coming up. Yeah. Although I'd never trust... Never trust the title of an anime episode, though. <laughs> For every goodbye Earth, there's another, like, you know, the confrontation is blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, another 20 episodes, we get to the confrontation. Also, it's it's the the English uh, title of the episode. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I take it even more with a grain of salt. But, yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah. It's uh, Luna sphere kitty magic or something like that. right right <laughs> yeah. what it seems like it seems too like highbrow for them usually well, it's like, a lot more work than just luna p transform right? yeah right yeah <laughs> get that luna kitty litter ball sphere magic happy times it's like, all right i know it's like it luna doesn't, sphere what does directly luna translate sphere? yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just before we go, I want to remind our listeners that we do have a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Sailor Noob, all one word. Mm -hmm. If you join up and become a member of the show, you can have access to extra content like our entirely different podcast. Yes. Called Animatification. Yes. We recently just talked about Baki the Grappler. Yes. Which was a surprisingly entertaining anime yeah. that I don't I don't want to say that I come in expecting to not like stuff but but uh it was 
<laughs> very entertaining. Yeah. And we had a lot to to talk about. Yes. Uh, ner- it, nerve ripping. Oh, secret, secret, secret technique. That's honestly, that's what I think about. Flat Coke drinking, <laughs> banana eating. Yeah. And there's karate. And there's karate. Yes. There's but a lot of nerve ripping. We, <laughs> you're ripping out my last nerve here. <laughs> uh, yeah. We uh, review other anime shows, or at least the first episodes of those shows. Yes. Get that. Get outtakes from this show. And coming soon, like an anime title, we promise and never deliver, but coming soon. We will start reviewing the live action Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon series. Yes. Which I know people have wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we are probably going to do a thing where we put animatification on pause. Just for a little bit. Swap over to doing PGSM, mm-hmm. uh, which won't go forever. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll alternate between them. That might be a good idea. That actually, maybe I think, we'll would be a good a, idea. A, well, we'll just do that then. Uh, <laughs> or we'll do a block of one and a block of the other. Um, but yeah, we want to uh, continue to provide new and exciting things for the members of our show. So if you want to be a member of the show, go to patreon.com forward slash Sailor Noob. That's right. Become a senshi today. That's right. Perhaps an auto senshi like Sailor Pluto. <laughs> you got it. All right. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Well, that's our show for this week, and the name of the moon will be punishing you next week with another episode of Sailor Noob. All right, all right.